Hi, my name is Mark Williman, the host of Supervisory Basics, a 12-episode podcast series that examines how individual contributors can transition to effective leaders. This podcast series is based on the popular Supervisory Basics training program from Impact Achievement Group, a training and performance management consulting company. The Supervisory Basics training program consists of 12 individual yet linked two-hour training modules delivered in leader-led or e-learning formats. For more information, go to impactachievement.com, where you can also download lots of great articles on all the topics we discuss in this podcast series. This is episode 11, and the topic is performance coaching flexibility. Every great manager has it. To discuss today's topic, it is my pleasure to welcome back Rick Tate, Senior Managing Partner at Impact Achievement Group and an internationally recognized expert on management, leadership development, and customer loyalty. Welcome back, Rick. Good to talk to you again, Mark. Rick, what is coaching flexibility and why is it an important managerial skill? Well, Mark, we, we just look at, uh, at flexibility in general. Um, and in this topic, certainly coaching. Uh, can I... Do I have different ways of coaching people for different situations? Uh, this is grounded in the general concept called requisite variety in our mind. Requisite variety uh, proposes that in any situation of life, uh, the person that has the most choices in that situation to meet the demands of that situation is going to have an advantage. In coaching, we think that's the same way. I. I'm a manager, a supervisor. I have, I have direct reports that have a variety of talent, skills, experience, uh, challenges, uh, a variety of difficulties of work assignments. The more I can adapt how I coach them, coaching them different depending upon the situation is certainly going to be uh, uh, effective. And if I don't have that variety of coaching approaches – then the only thing I can do is rely on the way I do it and have my direct reports adapt to me. And we always find that to be less effective. I go back to uh, one of my uh, favorite people that I grew up watching and admired, Johnny Wooden, the uh, coach at UCLA for all those years, winning 10 national championships in a 12-year period. Um, His first two teams uh, were were very, very small. the, The tallest person on the team was 6'5". It was a guard-oriented, fast-break, high-pressure defense uh, that allowed him to win two. And then he came back with three more uh, with uh, Lou Alcindor, uh, known to most of us as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, in a high-post, center-dominated offense, uh, and won three more. Uh, after that graduation, he won two more with Curtis Rowe and Sidney Wicks, who were forwards. That was a forward-dominated offense. Um, And then Bill Walton came in for a couple years, won two national championships, back to a high-post center-dominated offense. And his last one uh, with with Marcus Johnson and Richard Washington, another forward-dominated offense. So his ability to adapt his coaching and his leadership to the talent, skill, and expertise and game plan that that he was given, I think, was was a high a high part of his success. Yeah, and what process should a manager follow when trying to determine his or her coaching style for a particular employee? Well, we take the approach that coaching style to be effective over the long haul 
should be should be performance driven and not driven by the comfort zone or bias of the manager or supervisor. That is the situate the performance situation should dictate uh, uh, what coaching style. I should use. We find the biggest trap that we've seen over the years in this business is managers coaching people by saying, here's who I am. Here's the way I manage. This is what I'm comfortable doing, and you adapt to me. Uh, we find that that uh, is ineffective for talent management and, uh, and also just ineffective for achieving the quality results we could do it. We suggest what we call uh, to determine this performance-driven approach following what we call the the track method t-r-a-c-c and that is it's a diagnostic process questions i go through as a manager to determine my coaching style so we say first of all focus on the task and that's very critical uh often managers will manage the individual and coach the individual rather than be task specific uh, most employees have a wide variety of tasks and responsibilities and they can they can have different talent, expertise, skills, and, and results depending upon that. So to be very effective, the more task-specific I can get is important. So the first question is, what's the task? And then we simply ask, what are the results that that person is giving right now relative to the standard of acceptability for that task? So what's the task? What are the results? Does the person have the ability? That's the A part of the track model. Does the person have the ability to deliver that performance at that acceptable standard. And that is, can they do it if they had to? Uh, and there's a reason for this sequence. They, they do come in order. So what's the task? What are the results I'm getting? And is it an ability issue? After I answer that question comes the two uh, C's. Does the person have the confidence to either learn it if they're in a learning curve or the confidence to stand on their own two feet and take total responsibility for that task uh, once they've once they've learned it. So what's the confidence level? And then the last one is commitment. Do they have the desire to do it well? And do they see the importance of doing it well? And as you can see, that last one is the motivational question on the part of the individual. And while we feel that's important, we don't like to go to the employee motivational question until we've asked the first four because the manager needs to look at the task. The results are important. The ability is critical, i.e. training and the, and the confidence, those are, those are things we should look out before we determine whether it's a motivational problem. So TRACK gives us a framework, T-R-A-C-C, and that's a method that we find works very effectively. Can you describe the four performance levels that should be evaluated when trying to diagnose an employee's job performance? Yeah, when you get, when you get your data back <clears throat> from your diagnostic process using what we call our TRACK method, that information on the employees results ability confidence and commitment for any given task we can we can then use that to create four determinations of what we call performance levels and real quickly an overview of that would be a performance level one somebody that is not giving the acceptable performance it may or may not be an ability issue but this is an issue of confidence or commitment they either just don't have the confidence or, or they lack the desire, performance level two is still the possibility of an ability issue. Usually it's a training issue, like in a new hire, that the results aren't there, but they're in a learning curve, and they have the confidence that they can learn it and the commitment to try hard. In, in the third performance level, we see somebody that 
has the ability to do it because their results are at an acceptable standard, but they either lack the confidence to stand on their own two feet and take uh, that responsibility, or they don't have the commitment to do it at the level they used to. For whatever reason, uh, uh, they're not giving it their best effort. And then performance level four is somebody who's giving me great results. They have the ability to do it, obviously. They have the confidence to stand on their own two feet and the commitment to want the autonomy to do so. And in using those four performance levels, that gives me a guide of how I should be flexible in my coaching style to deal with those. Once performance levels are determined, what comes next? What comes next is my choice. Um, That is, in, 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 in my choice of coaching those different performance levels, it's really a choice of how much direction, how much involvement, and or how much autonomy should I provide in a coaching style. So, for instance, and let me just give two quick examples. If I've got a person who is not performing at standard and has an, avil- an ability issue, then my coaching style is going to be very directive with a lot of training and show and tell and, close, and closer supervision. Contrast that to a person who's at what we call the P4 performance level, performing extremely well with a lot of confidence and commitment. The job's getting done exceptionally well. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to provide them with a lot, of, a lot of autonomy, letting them call the shots and letting them uh, uh, manage their own performance to a certain degree. So I'm, I'm always, in my coaching styles, moving from how much direction uh, – Uh, in structure, to how much structure and involvement, to how much involvement, to how much autonomy a person really needs to foster their high performance in any given situation. Rick, thanks for sharing your insights today. Well, thank you, Mark. For more information on this topic, Impact Achievement Group, or the Supervisory Basics Series, please visit impactachievement.com. And remember, All of our podcast episodes are available for download on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store and search for Supervisory Basics Podcast and subscribe to the feed. Join us next time for episode number 12, where we'll discuss initiative, personal responsibility, and delegation.